It was so good to see him. I haven't seen him in in three days. I haven't even gotten to talk to him in three days. They don't have cell phone service, I guess, where he's at. So I don't get to talk to him. But yeah, I haven't had to take him coffee and oatmeal either. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> It's amazing what I can get done in the morning. Well, I'll have to stop and do that. <laughs> no, I love doing it. I love doing it. I love honoring my husband. That's, that's what I was born to do. So anyway, everybody have a Bible? Anybody that doesn't have a Bible, if you don't have a Bible, raise your hand. The ushers have one to bring to you. Um, it's our gift to you. Um, we want everyone to be in the Word. Amen? Everybody needs to be in the Word. You can't go a day without the word. Oh, good. There's a couple that need Bibles. Awesome. Especially when they're young men. Young men especially need these Bibles. You use those Bibles. They're awesome. Very, very good. Okay. So, here we are. He told me I had a time limit. It wasn't... I had to be done by a certain time. I had to go till a certain time. <laughs> so we're just going to kind of kill some time here and <laughs> see what happens. No. <laughs> so, no. So as he stated earlier, we've been married 26 years. And in these wonderful 26 years of marriage to him, in 26 years of um, extremely active ministry and countless messages that I've listened to, CDs and books and sermons, talks on leadership and um, been honored to sit under um, just amazing men and women of God and, um, you know, high caliber teachers and everything. And you would think that with all that teaching and wisdom and insight that I would just be one of the world's most greatest leaders. You would think. You would think. But that's not the case. Not the case. When I think about it, I can, I can come up with lots of reasons why I'm not the world's greatest leader. But the, the most important reason that I came up with is because that's not my ambition in life. That's not my greatest desire. I know many, many people out there have a burning desire to be a great leader. Um, the person out in front, and that has never, never been my ambition or my desire. My passion, both Tom and I, our passion um, in life is to demonstrate God life, to see the people of God come to a place of knowledge, um, revelation, transformation, where, where they know that they know that they know that no weapon formed against them can prosper. And even those weapons that are being formed against them, it doesn't matter. Because at the end of the day, they'll walk in victory and demonstrate Satan's defeat. So that's, you know, my passion and desire. And it's not, um, not to be a leader. And as you all are aware of, I'm sure, is that something that I've struggled with, being a leader, being a person out in front. Um, I struggle with it all the time. I struggled with it all my life. And um, I feel guilty often, like, you know, I have this hidden sin in my life, <laughs> that it's not something that I have a great passion for or even want 
to do. Um, not to be the one out in front screaming, let's go. Yeah, that's just not me. And so in my daily Bible readings, when I come across Philippians 2, 1 through 4, and of course I've read this and read this and read this, and as you all know, you can read things and read things and read things, and one day it just kind of smacks you up across the side of the head. So reading this, it started to make sense to me. God hit me up side of the head with this scripture, and it started to make sense. So we are going to look at second at Philippians 2, right? Yes. If you have gotten, and we'll read the whole thing right now. If you have gotten anything at all out of following Christ, if his love has made any difference in your life, if being in a community of the Spirit means anything to you, if you have a heart, if you care, then do me a favor. Agree with each other. Love each other. Be deep-spirited friends. Don't push your way to the front. Don't sweet-talk your way to the top. Put yourself aside and help others get ahead. Don't be obsessed with getting your own advantage. Forget yourselves long enough to, ha- to lend a helping hand. And I, as I read that, I just began to get a revelation. The goal in life as a believer isn't necessarily to be a great leader, but more importantly is to be a great follower. Is to be a great follower. Tom and I look at everything that God is doing here in the garden, in each and every one of your lives, um, in the ministry here, in the, in the success. Um, we hear from others, you know, especially um, outside ministers when they come in, you know, are amazed at the success for the short amount of time that we've been here and, and um, celebrate, you know, the victory that we have. And sometimes when we're here all the time, we tend to forget to celebrate that victory because it becomes like old hat or we become um, familiar with it. But we be, um, come to realize that the success that we see here is because of the fruit of the seeds that Tom and I have sown as followers. It's not at any moment in time of, of leadership, but it's how we have lived our lives um, following God. We've invested years of building and upholding and supporting the ministries of others. And that is where I am most comfortable. Most comfortable is building others, supporting others. I, um, I, that's what I love to do. I can remember in high school and one of my, I think she was like my homeroom teacher, asked me what it was that I wanted to do with my life. And I said, I just want to be the best mom I can be and an awesome wife. That's what I wanted to do. And she looked at me and she says, you've got to find something better to do than just that. And I thought, well, how rude can you be? (laughs) But that's just been my, that's been the desire of my heart. And that's, that's what I did. I was a cheerleader in high school, and that's what I still am today. I'm my kids' biggest cheerleader. I'm my husband's biggest cheerleader. That supportive role is where I am most comfortable at. I love to encourage others to do what they don't think they can do. And I would much rather encourage each and every one of you to be up here sharing God's word than me doing it myself. But this is where I am, so I'm going to share my heart with you. So we've been talking about the God Challenge. You know what? Now I know why they have the air on in here, because it's hot in here tonight. You guys must be roasting if I'm hot. It's like, whoo. 
Anyway, so just thought I'd throw that out there. Tom will be happy that I was hot tonight. <laughs> yeah. Too, yeah, too bad he's not here, right? Oh, well. Anyway, we'll get back to the subject at hand. So we've been talking about the God Challenge. And the challenge that's been set before us is to move from a place of being connected to a place of being committed. And so as I was studying get, and getting ready for, night, for tonight, studying the word commitment, and I found out that the single most important factor of an individual's success is commitment. The single most important factor. Commitment ignites action. To commit is to pledge yourself to a certain purpose or line of conduct. It also means practicing your beliefs consistently. Possibly the best description of commitment is persistence with a purpose. Persistence with a purpose. You know, being connected to God is good, but being committed to God is the birthing place of great. Being connected to God is good, but being committed is great. I was asked this week, I um, was talking with someone and they asked me, I can't remember, it was either have I always been a Christian or if I was raised in a Christian home. And I answered yes, I was raised in a wonderful, wonderful Christian home. But, um, but and I remember um, sometime along uh, elementary school somewhere, um, I, uh, we lived in this huge metropolis, big city of like 250 people, maybe. What was Elkton? 250? 150? 100? 150? It was a big place, you know. But I remember walking from elementary school to, um, I think it was a Baptist church at that time, and down in the basement they had what was called a good news club. And don't remember much about what we did there, but I do remember that that was where I um, sat down with a wonderful little old lady and asked Jesus to come into my heart. And so being connected to God is good. But it wasn't until I decided that I was going to have, be committed to having a personal relationship with God that my life took on a new meaning, that things um, got a little, you know, quite a bit different. So being connected to God is good, but being committed to him, that's where it all begins. And when we, when we decide to make that commitment, how many of you know that's when the devil decides he's going to throw all you know what our direction? So um, be, we need to stay committed. Um, Tom's talked about in the last couple of weeks how um, the commitment, how it might hurt a little bit. You know, he's talking about the rubber bands and the snapping, and so the commitment might hurt a little bit. We might struggle with it at times, and it will take us out of our comfort zone. I'm living proof. It will take you out of your comfort zone. And that's what this challenge has done. It has definitely taken me out of my comfort zone. And uh, I was uh, thinking about what I was going to commit to, and besides, you know, the commitment, okay, I'm going to spend more time with God, I'm going to get in his word more, and I decided, um, one of the commitments I decided to do was, I said, okay, God, I'm committed to just be willing. Be willing to do whatever you ask me to do. And of course, then Tom said, hey, I'm going to be gone to me, gone next weekend. You want to speak? And I went, uh, 
no, but <laughs> I'm committed, God. I'm committed to do whatever you've asked me to do. And another place that I've um, really decided to be committed is um, in the, um, with my, my kids. And now that they're getting older and they, we have a whole new set of kids coming through our doors, and all three of them have friends, and so they all three bring these friends, you know, come eat mom's cooking, come do this. And how many of you know that teenagers live a different kind of life? <laughs> Sorry, guys, but it's just true. And so it's not always comfortable to talk with them or be around them or relate to them. It may hurt to talk to them or be around them or relate to them. And it can definitely take you out of your comfort zone to talk to them or relate to them. But if I, as a follower of Christ, can make any difference or have any influence on even one of those kids, that's worth it all. That's worth it all. That's, yeah, that's my heart. It's so worth it. And so we all know that if we don't work for something, if it comes easy to us, then we have a tendency not to give God the credit for it. So becoming a follower of Christ is the ultimate goal of a believer. Let's put up Philippians 2 again. I love how it starts off. It says, If you have gotten anything at all out of following Christ, we get stuff when we follow Christ. How many likes to get stuff? I like to get stuff. We get stuff when we follow Christ. And it's not wrong to want what following Christ has to offer. Following Christ has great benefits and awesome rewards. Think about some of the things with me that come from following Christ. We get peace that passes all understanding. We get joy unspeakable and filled with glory. We get to be ready for anything and equal to everything that comes our way through Christ who infuses us with that inner strength. We get insight, we get wisdom, we get revelation and understanding because of the Holy Spirit that operates in our life. These are marvelous blessings and we're positioned to win and succeed regardless of the situation all because we're a follower of Christ. It's not because we're great leaders, but it's because of how we follow him. So sometimes I try to develop my leadership skills thinking, okay, I'll, I'll try to better myself. That's not wrong to, tr to want to do that. But um, even with great leadership skills, you know, if I were to just continue to build that and build that and build that, even with all the great leadership skills and the wisdom and insight, unless I'm a follower of Christ, it's all in vain. It means, it means nothing. To be a great follower of Christ is what opens the door to the blessings of God, to the reality of God life. Follow Christ, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. To submit is to just yield to his will, to his opinion, to follow his lead. To be a great follower is how we resist the devil. The devil tries us to to get us to live life our way, based on our emotion and senses, based on sense and reason. 
but the Spirit is leading us to live life God's way. So that's where we can truly manifest and express Matthew 6.33. I just want to read Matthew 6.33 real quick. But seek, aim at, and strive after, first of all, his kingdom and his righteousness, his way of doing and being right. And then all these things taken together will be given you besides. So seeking first the kingdom of God and his way of doing and being right. We do this by following Christ's lead. As a follower, that happens. It actually does more harm than good when a person with great leadership skills gathers a group of followers but doesn't lead them in the way of following Christ. So that's what we're going to talk about today is being committed to following Christ. So let's go back to Philippians 2.1. If you've gotten anything at all out of following Christ, if his love has made any difference in your, in your life, if being in a community of the Spirit means anything to you, and we'll stop there. This may seem repetitious, but that's how, that's how we get it inside of us, is by hearing and hearing and hearing. So we're going to just keep going over it and going over it. I think one of the things that's interesting as I read this um, passage of Scripture and realize the challenge that Tom and I are setting before you as a congregation, the challenge to be committed to church attendance and being committed to prayer and being committed to tithing and being committed to the word, that those are the things that ties us to the community, community of faith or the community of the spirit. So many great things come from being in this community of faith. Um, so many great things like having relationships with each other and aiding um, one another in our journey as followers of Christ, following Christ together. The Bible tells us that there's safety in a multitude of counselors. There's safety in a multitude. Thinking about that as I was standing here in praise and worship and Mark had told me, okay, your microphone's on. So you can sing as loud as you want. And I'm thinking, mm, no, no. But he said he had muted it. But you think about it, and you're worshiping. And um, I, I can sing, okay? And I definitely know that I can hit a wrong note or two, too. But when, you, when we're here in a congregation, and the music's playing, and everybody else is singing and worshiping God, I can make mistakes, and nobody's ever going to know it. So there's safety in a community and you think about it you and I can make mistakes along life's journey but because we have each other around us that are for us it's okay because they're helping us they're helping encouraging us to go on sometimes you may think that you're constantly being challenged and provoked to reach higher or think bigger and live larger and we hear Tom talk about all the time his wonderful little words I don't care and the reason he says that is because he doesn't care about the circumstances. He doesn't care about the situations. He doesn't care about the symptoms. And the reason he doesn't care about those things is because he cares so deeply for you and your victory. That is the most important thing, is that is what he cares so much about. And so, not that he just doesn't care, but he cares about your victory. 
That's why we love this community of faith. And it's important that you understand that in this community of faith that God is building here in the garden, um, you matter because God has brought you here. You matter. And this is um, the things we get out of following Christ. When I think about them, that this is one of them, is that um, we get the opportunity to build this family of faith and, we, and to have relationship with each other. Sometimes we get excited, so excited about the gift that we forget about the gift giver, the one who gave it to us. It's God who has brought our lives together. Our commitment obviously has to be to him first, to his body, to his plan, and to his purpose. So we're going to go back to Philippians. Oh, good, you left it up there. Good job. So it says, if you've gotten anything at all out of following Christ, if his love has made any difference in your life, if being in a community of the Spirit means anything to you, if you have a heart, if you care, if then do me a favor. Agree with each other. Love each other. Be deep-spirited friends. We need to understand that if we choose not to agree, then it must be because we don't care or because we don't have a heart. If we choose not to love one another, it's because you don't have a heart or we don't care. If we are not becoming deep-spirited friends, then it's because we have made the choice not to have a heart and not to care. And I think this, this is really important that we realize that one of the things Christ wants us to do as a follower is to care. Christ cared. And as a follower of him, we need to care. He wants us to care. Not about our own desires, as we'll um, see later on in this passage of scripture. Not about our own purposes. Not about our own interests. But he wants us to care about one another. He wants us to have a heart for each other. And that's why being committed to the house is so important. It demonstrates our heart. It demonstrates that we care about each other. We're not coming here just for ourselves. We're living a lifestyle that demonstrates our deep love for one another. We're supposed to agree with each other, agree with the word of God. We help each other agree. We help each other submit to God by agreeing with each other that we're going to live a life based on the word of God. That way, when we have a friend that's overwhelmed with circumstances or symptoms, we have enough relationship with this friend developed with them that we can remind them what we have agreed to live our life on, and that's God's word. When we see the weapons that are being formed against us and we begin to panic, we have a heart and we care enough to remind each other that we have agreed to live as if God is on our side. If God is for us, it doesn't matter who's against us. We remind each other that we have agreed that the symptoms we may see or may have, that they're only for a moment, but God's promises are forever and ever and ever. So we don't live by what we see, but we live by what we don't see. We live according to the word of God. We agree and we care enough to remind each other that we agree. We love one another. We love one another. Sometimes love is tough. 
That's unfortunate, but sometimes love is tough. Sometimes when we love someone, we'll go ahead, we need to go ahead and be uncomfortable for their benefit. That we will not just stretch, but we'll go to the point where the band snaps. We'll feel it, but it's not going to kill us. To look somebody in the eye and tell them, you need to change your confession because death and life are in the power of your tongue. You should love enough to tell someone, you know, I don't think that you're building hope and faith in that person. I think you're tearing them down. Maybe you're competing against them instead of being that completion for them. To be deep-spirited friends, for some of us, means that we're going to have to lay things down. Um, I think we're going to have to lay down um, hurts from the past or um, words that have been said to us actions that have been performed against us, and even some perceptions that have been formed about us. But we have got to get beyond these things in order to be deep-spirited friends. How many of you have been in these situations? I've been in each and every one of them. I've had words said against me that hurt. I've had perceptions performed against me that, or about me that were wrong. I've had you know, people t do actions that hurt. You know, we have all been there. Um, but Christ was there too. He, when he walked this earth, he had things said about him and perceptions. And even to this day, people say things about him. There's perceptions about God that aren't true. We do things, you and I do things that hurt him. And yet he loves us. He forgives us. Oh, how he loves us. And so as Christ's followers, we have got to get beyond these things so that we can be deep-spirited friends. God adds to the church as he wills. The people here in this house, here at the garden, God has brought by his spirit. We need to agree one with another. We need to love one another, and we need to be deep-spirited friends. A deep-spirited friend doesn't look across the sanctuary and say, I like you and you and you, but not you and not you and not you. It doesn't do that. It doesn't uh, divide people and put them into two separate groups. A deep-spirited friend means that the spirit that brought us together is deeper, stronger than that which attempts to divide us. We agree to be a family. How many know that even in families, things are said that hurt? How many of you have kids? They say things, and it hurts. And what would happen if families acted like, sorry, church families? You know, one of the kids says something that hurts me, so I say, okay, fine. I'm not your friend anymore. I mean, families fall apart every day, but if we're not committed to that family, if we're not committed to just get past what's being said, then that family is going to fail. And you need to be committed to letting it go, laying it down, putting it aside. And now I lost my place. Also in a family, there's sibling rivalry. There's moments of stress and discomfort. But when it comes right down to where the rubber meets the road, blood is thicker than water. The blood of Jesus has been applied to us. Whatever the hurt Whatever the moment that's caused us to dislike each other, the deep-spirited friendship that we are developing together, 
goes beyond all these things. It has to. We have to look past it. So let's go to verse 3. Don't push your way to the front. Don't sweet talk your way to the top. Put yourself aside and help others get ahead. It says in the Bible that if anyone desires to be my disciple, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. This may sound so simple, but it's not. It's tough. It's hard for all of us. We all grapple with the idea of denying ourselves. It's almost human nature to push your way to the front, especially if our mindset is to be a great leader. Any leader caught in the back of the pack struggles to get out in front. Um, how can you lead from the back? You know, they feel they have to push their way to the front. But God's word is telling us, don't push your way to the front. If God wants you in front, trust me, he'll get you there. I'm here. So God can do it. We need, none of us have what it takes to keep God from getting his will done. Yeah. So, yes, yes. I didn't push my way to the front. In fact, uh, before Tom and I were married, he promised me that we would not be doing this. So I listened to him. I trusted his promises. But I think he just lied to me. Because there's no way I was pushing my... I didn't even sweet talk my way to the top. So he told me we weren't going to be doing this. But anyway, God found David... And David had seven brothers who were much more likely to be the person out in front, to be the key guy than David was. And they all tried to answer the call. But David was just doing that which he was supposed to be doing, where he was supposed to be doing it. He was feeding the sheep, tending the flock. He was at work, and they still found him because it was his time to be anointed. So don't push yourself to the front. A Christ follower Someone who is committed to being a follower of Christ has to let go of their desire to be out in front. Don't sweet talk your way to the top. We have to realize that character determines final outcome. If your character is right, you'll pop right to the top every single time. If your heart is right, God will put you in the place and position that he has called you to. And the thing that he's created for you it won't run from you. It will run to you. So you don't have to sweet talk your way to the top. You don't have to think only about yourself. But you put yourself aside long enough to help others get ahead. Our life, believe it or not, is focused on your victory. We want you to succeed, each and every one of you. If you don't live in victory, we failed. We want you to know how to demonstrate Satan's defeat every day of your life. We want you living a lifestyle that is an absolute humiliation to hell. And if we don't see you get ahead, we have to work harder. We have to come up with different ideas because we're committed to you. We want you to win. And I, I believe that this is what Christ wants from every follower is a great desire to see others win and have then to have your own personal victory. Right. So Philip, let's go to verse 4. 
Don't be obsessed with getting your own advantage. Forget yourselves long enough to lend a helping hand. And I want to read it also in the um, Amplified. I think that's what I... Let each of you esteem and look upon and be concerned not for not merely his own interests, but also each for the interests of others. Getting outside of your own interests is where the heart of a Christ follower has got to be. For the body of Christ to be complete, we can't be consumed and focused on our own interests. That's what the devil wants. The devil wants us to be focused with me, 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 and wh what I need and what I want. And, um, but that's not, that's not God. Jesus gave of himself, and this is what you and I need to be doing giving of ourselves. There's others that can benefit from your experiences. You may not think so, but there's others that can benefit from you. Old, the, the women in here that are older, there's younger girls coming up in this body that need your wisdom and insight, maybe not even about the things of God, maybe just about dressing, maybe just about um, being modest, Maybe just about your form of communication. Men, there's young boys in this church. They need a godly man role model. Somebody that's going to teach them how to treat a lady. Amen? You need to get past yourself. You need to get past thinking about yourself and think about others. Giving of, your, of yourself. Follow Christ's example. Christ reached out beyond himself. He submitted to the vision of his leadership to God, and he gave himself of every sing he gave himself in every single way, even to the point of death. He gave of himself. There's a song out there by Chris Tomlin, and it says, and it's called "I Will Follow." And I just want to read the chorus to you. It says, "Where you go, I'll go." Hopefully, I can make it through here. Where you stay, I'll stay. When you move, I'll move. I will follow you. How you love, I'll love. Who you serve, I'll serve. If this life I lose, I will follow you. I will follow you. That's what God wants from each and every one of us, is to follow him, even to the point of losing our life. And that losing of our life, it, it's not losing of, of life unto death. It may be losing of the some things that you think you want, but following Christ, you'll never lose. Never lose. Not ever. This life that I live, following Christ is so full. So full. There's not one thing I can think of that I don't have or don't want. That, that if, you know, I think about what I'd be doing if I hadn't married Tom and wasn't living this life. And I think, oh, heavens, I don't even want to think about that. Because my life is so full. You'll never lose by following Christ. Never. And that's what I have. God wants, God wants us to follow him. Thank you. God wants us to follow him. And I, I want us to bow our heads and close our eyes. And I want to ask a question. And I think it's a very, very important question. 
And that question is, how many of you need to get your life right with Christ? And I know some of us have already made that commitment. And I believe that is the most important commitment anyone can ever make, is that commitment to follow Christ, that commitment to have your life right with him. And so if that's you today, if your heart's beating wildly, or if you're saying, no, that's not me, no, that's not me, that's you. And I just want to ask you, nobody's looking around. If that's you, if you can just raise your hand. If you want to make that commitment to follow him, if you want to make that commitment to get your life right. Thank you. Thank you. You can put your hands down. Thank you. Thank you. God sees those hands. I see those hands. It's between you, God, and I just want to pray for each and every one of you here tonight. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for your presence here this evening. I thank you, Father, that those of us here that have made the commitment to you, I thank you for standing with us. And those of us here, Father, that raised our hand tonight, you saw those ones, Father. And I just thank you that you will be with them as they commit to serving you, as they commit to living their life for you, Father. I just thank you and praise you for that. Thank you and praise you for going with each and every one of us tonight as we leave here. In your name we pray. Amen.